Well, it is, um, it is our Sunday where we have kids in the service the whole time, and um, you gave the preacher who is leaving five minutes. It's not, so I don't know what we do. We're going to have to pray for grace. Kids, can you hang with me for a little bit longer? Yeah, all right. Okay, good. That song that Brendan sung was a song that was sung at our wedding. They, I was youth pastor at the time, and all of the youth group came up and lined the front of the altar and sang that song over us. And uh, every time I hear all of those lyrics, I think there's like seven or eight verses, <laughs> I thank God for how he's answered many of those prayers. If you were here, so I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to try to do all of this quickly, but I'm not going to shortchange anything, so bear with me. I want to say some thanks, and then I have a word from God for you. And then we're going to pray over this transition and we'll be finished. Okay, so if you're kind of tracking with me, what's left, that's what's left. If you need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. If you were in this church, if you were here when we had our first service at the movie theater, I want you to stand up. I want you to give these guys a hand because these are the people that helped build this church. Look around. Still with us. Thank you. Some of you are a lot younger. Isaac stood up. He was actually in Laura's womb when we, so he was here. Um, I just wanted to honor those who stood. Um, and specifically, we had a team of couples that helped form and shape this church the Fortiers, the Marcionis. The Poochies, and then a couple of families who are no longer with us, but I want to name them because of their service. The Landers and the Menics helped us plant this church as a leadership team. Our worships, worship leader, again, for those who might watch who are not here, was Dan Snape. And we had many wonderful years with Dan Snape as our worship leader. And I call um, this man the utility, a Swiss Army knife, Johnny Ames helped us with, in so many ways, establish this church. So if you're watching live or watch it sometime, I want to thank all of you for helping build this church and spe specifically lead. Catherine Marcioni and Tanya Fortier helped with administration. And oh, did I tax them in those early years. So thank you, women, for uh, helping me with every deficiency that I have as an administrator. Thank you. I won't go into all the stories because they've already been shared, but I also just want to thank the staff and elders over the years, um, including our, those who are still with us, Brendan and John, David, Sarah Yoon. I want to thank Bree Livingood, who was with us for a season, who helped with our children, our central office team. And I'm mentioning all these people because I want you to hear how many people it takes to do church. It is not about Sean and Laura. These are the people that built this church. John Clark, Joe Turner, Cheryl Turner was administrative. All these people, some of these people I named, four or five of them have been my administrators and none of them lasted long. <laughs> um, Joe Turner, Cheryl Turner, Jen Odama in the central office, Kendra Aguilar and Clark Zombrecker, who's no longer here with us. All these people in my role as senior leader here, but also in the central leadership have just been incredible. And I wanna give a special thanks to Charlie Halley, who's not here, 
Um, but Charlie came along in a very critical time in his equipping and support of me. He equipped and, and taught me, and what he helped teach our church is continuing to allow us to honor and love, do, do an honoring and loving church in a way that is sustainable. And so thank you, Charlie. Some of you who are around remember our deep campaign. Our deep campaign was a financial campaign that Charlie helped lead out, but what it brought us was John Prickett and Brendan Hollingsworth, the staff. It helped us replace our roof, buy our chairs, buy our audio equipment, help pay off some of our debt on our building, and started Mosaic, which was the ministry that was birthed that has primarily been at the forefront of our foster care outreach. And so... Thank you for all of you, and for those who stood up, and probably many more who gave generously in our deep campaign to see these things established. And speaking of giving, thank you for everyone who tithes and gives. Financial gifts are not taken lightly. They help sustain the staff in the church. Um, We bought a building. We bought this building as a 50-person church. Come on, give thanks to God. Actually, 35 people and 15 children. So just want to say those children were not giving, but it was beautiful. Um, Other ways that you've extravagantly given, giving to deep to our missions and our missionaries overseas, our special offerings. And we had one generous giver who helped us redo our bathrooms. Can we give it up for our new bathrooms? If you ever went to the bathroom in our old bathrooms, you would be shouting hallelujah right now. (laughs) Thank you. When we first moved to Boston, Laura and I, when we first planted that first church, God gave us a vision statement, and it was to be a diverse people, full of faith in God, compassionately reaching the world around us. And I want you to look at this church. You, Antioch Waltham, are a fulfillment of the dream that Laura and I had when we planted Brighton 25 years ago. And the the collection, the mosaic of our five churches locally and our church in Phoenix is a gift of God's vision for what he wants to see happen in and among us. So I'm super, super thankful. You know, um, Sarah Yoon came up to me at the beginning of the service and said, how are you doing? And I said, I've been emotional this week. I've been emotional thinking about what I'm letting go of and what God is leading me into. But I've been a lot more emotional about what I'm letting go of. And part of it is because I love you guys so much. And part of it is I've had a real joy of pastoring you and walking alongside of you. And I thought I might not ever lead a church again, which is a crazy thought uh, for, a, for somebody who has been leading churches for 30 years. But I also want you to know that I feel extremely happy, joyful, and full of faith in this transition. I said this to you when we began communicating, and I want to say it to you again. God spoke clearly to Laura and I, and we are a people who hear and obey. Amen? And if we hear and obey the Lord, everybody gets blessed. As you think about us leaving, thank you for all the honor and encouragement. Shed a tear, give us a hug. Thank you. But do not shed a tear for the future of God's kingdom. Because if we are leaving by the word of the Lord, then God has something better for this church than us leading. 
And I'm saying it. My season's over. Laura and I's season's over. And as God leads, I'm moving into my preaching mode now. As God, as God leads us forward, he's not leaving you in the dust. He is saying to Antioch Waltham, say goodbye to the Richmonds and say hello to the next promises I have for you. Part of that is Mark and Susan Buckner. So give it up for Mark and Susan Buckner. I have, have no doubt that the leadership upon this couple is what this church needs for the next season. And I look forward to sitting in the chairs with you under their leadership to move forward into what God has next. Part of it has to do with you and I. And I want to share this brief message. We are going to look at the Bible just for one moment here. And I'll make it shorter because of our time. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday. And two months ago, as I was looking forward to this day, God said, you're going to say goodbye on Pentecost Sunday. And I want you to honor what happened at Pentecost as a word of the Lord for Antioch Waltham. So you ready to hear the word of the Lord for you? Ten days ago, the, church, the traditional church calendar, because it is historical calendar, honors Ascension Thursday. Ascension Thursday is when Jesus left his disciples with his last words and then ascended into heaven. And in one passage of scripture, as they're watching him go into heaven, angels appear and say, hey, what are you doing? The way he left is the way he's coming back. And basically they were saying, get on with what he's told you to do. I felt like the Lord said to me a couple of weeks ago, I want you to honor Ascension Thursday all the way to Pentecost. And I want you to put yourself in the place of the disciples who were living that out in real time. So I want us to look at Acts 1. There's lots of passages I would have read this morning, but we're going to zero it in on Acts 1, 1 through 11. And this is what... <clears throat> This is what Luke wrote down as one of the, as one of the, the, the writer of Acts. He, he shares this story. He says, in my first book, which is Luke, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died and rose again, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, that he wasn't some great teacher. He wasn't some great man who showed up and disappeared, that he wasn't in a grave marked with a beautiful tomb. No, the tomb was empty, and he's alive. And he showed himself in many ways to his apostles to let them know, I'm alive, and I think he, he came back and he said, I want you to remember, I'm alive. And to some who doubted, he probably showed up every morning and said, hey, I'm still alive. I'm alive. Remember this. I'm alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. So he ordered them. He said, this is really important. Do this. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, 
as I told you before, John baptized with water, John the Baptist, for, the re for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's keep on reading. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Leave it there for a second. I want you to, if you, if you have read the Gospels and you've read all of the last parts of the Gospels, you see a very familiar story and you're seeing it here. Matthew 28, Luke 24, Mark 16, every single one of these passages before Jesus ascends, he literally does the same thing. And it's echoed in these words where he says, you will be my witnesses. What he does is he says, the What's different in Luke 24 and in this version, he talks about sending the Holy Spirit. And of course, Luke is the author of both of those, those books. So he's reminding, this is, this is critical to the next thing that the other, the other gospels say, which is this. And you'll know this more familiar, this will be more familiar to you, Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you until the very end of the age. The end of the age is what? Until Jesus comes back. So to those very first disciples, and it was not just to those disciples, but to the disciples that sit in this room at Antioch Waltham, Jesus is saying, these are my last words. When we sit down at the end of a someone dying and the will is brought up and they read the will, that's the last words of the person who died. Give my money to this, give my stuff to this, and maybe they'll share some kind of encouraging word. Maybe if they didn't die tragically, they gather all of their family together before they die and say something. This is Jesus' last words. How important are last words to the person who speaks them? If I can tell you one thing Jesus is saying, this is what I'm telling you to do. And the theme is very simple. Let me pause here. Before he died in John, Jesus got his disciples together. John 14, 13 to 17 in your Bible, we'll share this story. He says, you know what, guys? This is before he died on the cross. He says, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. You're probably not going to understand it, but it's better that I die. Now, he was talking about the gospel but he was also talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, it's better that I go away because if I go away, then I will send you the Holy Spirit and he'll be with you. Why is that better? Because Jesus, when he was on earth, could only be in one place. But now the Spirit of God is in every single one of us who lives for Jesus in the whole world. He multiplied himself. As Shosh was praying over me about that seed, he multiplied the seed of his presence in every one of us. In his presence, Jesus said, comes with power. 
the power of the creative, salvific, healing, miraculous God who is not dead but alive lives in you. He lives in me. He lives in you. You can clap your hands on that. Come on, Pierce. So if that is true, if Jesus is saying this, then I want you to know that my last words to you as your pastor are not my words. I don't want you to remember my words. I want you to remember Jesus' words. I want you to remember, if anything you remember about me, and I'm going to be with you, so it's going to be hard to forget me for a while. But if you remember anything about this Sunday, I want you to remember Sean admonished us not to follow his last words, but put our eyes on the last words of Jesus. Because if we all, including me, can live these words out, then we will obey God and when we obey God, we're blessed. You want to be a blessed church? You want to be a blessed people? Do the last words that Jesus told you to do. And that is this. Posture yourself in a way. The word wait in Acts 1 that we just read was not a passive waiting. Go to Jerusalem and expectantly wait. At the end of Luke 24, it says that after he ascended into heaven, it says the disciples went on their way with praising and worship, and they continued to meet in the temple with worship and praise. They were excited about Jesus. Can, can we be excited about Jesus on, this, on the way out of here? Can we just stay excited about Jesus? And if you're not excited about Jesus, if there's something that's covering your joy meter or your love meter in Jesus, then forget about any service you do in the church. Sorry, Mark. Quit serving. We do not want religious servants. We want people in this church who are doing whatever they're doing, greeting, vacuuming, preaching the gospel, leading worship, whatever you're doing, it needs to come out of a heart that is in love with Jesus. If you love Jesus and the Spirit of God is fill, filling you, then powerful, crazy things are going to happen through this church. But if we're just religious and we're just a part of Antioch Waltham and we're doing our church thing... We'll be just another dead church. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, disciples, you've seen me. You've watched my life. You got a lot more than, honestly, a lot of us have because they got to walk with him for three years. But that's not going to be enough. What's going to be enough is my spirit living in you. You loving me. And then the last thing is this. You being about the business of telling people about Jesus. Could you do that for me? Actually, pause, forgive me. That's not what I wanted to say. Can you do that for Jesus? Can you do that for Jesus? Can you hear his words? And can you just tell others about Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen? That's my word. Okay, what I want to do next is I want to pray that over you. Okay? We're going to start with Mark and Susan. So come on up, Mark and Susan. Well, actually, you can stay right there. I'll come down to you. I think it's good. I want to pray over Mark and Susan, and I want you, I want you to know that when we talked about this this morning, um, this is a we thing. Mark and Susan are 
assigned by God to be at the tip of this spear to lead. But if they are not leading in submission to you and in humility, then they're not leading well. And if you are not responding to them in submission, in unity, in, in leading out in the way that you're called to lead, you're not congregating well. <laughs> right? We are all doing this together. And so I, I, I almost hesitate to do this, but there is something, and Pierce talked about this earlier, I don't know if in the service or in our prayer time, I can't remember. Yeah, our prayer time. But there is something right about honoring the leader of the church so that they can be released in the grace and anointing of heaven, but also can receive the partnership from you to lead forward. So when I pray over them, I'm praying heaven down. I want you to pray if you can. And this is a by faith prayer because most of you don't even know these guys. So can I say this? Receive them if you, if you trust me. If you're here and you trust us in the leadership, I want you to receive them. So your prayer as I pray is, God, we receive Mark and Susan. We receive that you are doing something that we maybe understand, but maybe don't understand, but we trust you, God. And in all of that, we trust God. Amen? Because we're fallible humans. All right. So Laura, I would love for you to come up here. Pray. Just stand, stand here. You're fine. You're good. Lord, we don't have to pray long. We just pray by faith. So would you reach out your hand, congregation, just as we pray over Mark and Susan? Lord, this, this, is, a, this is a huge transition for Mark and Susan the same way it is for Laura and I. I was just with them two weeks ago in Brighton as they handed off Brighton to the lead pastor there, and now they're here. In many ways, their journey in Boston from Indonesia has been an Abrahamic journey. By faith, they're following you. Maybe a mosaic journey. I was, because as I was thinking, they're following the cloud. They're following the fire. And so, Lord, that's what I pray for them, that they would be in your cloud, that they, that they would experience your fire, that your presence would be upon them, that your anointing would be upon them, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them grace to lead us, that you would mark them by your presence, that their love and zeal for you and the house of the Lord would be great, and that they would have everything they need for life and godliness. And part of that would be that the church would come around them to support them, welcome them, and strengthen them in this new role. So, Lord, as a congregation, I can pray this. As a congregation, we receive you. We receive you in the mantle that God has on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, everybody stand up. We're going to do this, and then we're going to go into communion. I think I forgot to mention we're taking communion as well. If you... So what Jesus was doing with those disciples via his words and the Holy Spirit is he was commissioning his church. He was saying, you want to be with me and be doing what I'm doing? Receive my spirit and go. It's not just about planning churches, guys. 
It's about living radically in love with Jesus wherever God calls you. And if a church happens to form because of that, amen. Right? That's how churches form sometimes. We, sometimes people just get in, fall in love with Jesus and they keep on asking people over their house and all of a sudden their house is too big for the people and they say, hey, do you think we should rent a space? That's called church. Right? Or do you think we should multiply this and have another house church? If you want more of the Holy Spirit and you want to be commissioned afresh per Jesus' words to be filled and to go, I want you to just put your hands out by faith and I want to pray over you. It's my last act of authority in this church, or one of them. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I'm praying to you. I'm praying to you, Jesus. Father, Holy Spirit, Holy Trinity. We trust you and we are thankful to be called your children. We're thankful that you have not left us without your presence, but you promise us your presence. So God, for every physical hand that's uplifted right now, for every heart that's yielded to you right now, to receive more of you, and to receive a fresh commissioning with clarity and purpose of what our next steps are, what we're to do next. Lord, I pray that over every person in this room. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, fall fresh on this place. Fall fresh on this place. Multiply this church into, into neighborhoods into office complexes, Lord, into, into adjacent towns and cities and states that are near us and nations. Lord, whatever it is, whether it's in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the uttermost parts of the world, wherever and whatever you're calling each person in this room to do, baptize them, fill them, empower them, and release them in the name of Jesus. To love you, to live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Mark, come on up here. Lead us in communion.